The MMA Gambling Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is presented by BetSGPN. BetSGPN is where you'll find all of the best sportsbook promotions and deposit bonuses. Head on over to BetSGPN.com because BetSGPN is your home for online sports betting. Terms and conditions apply. Void where prohibited. Must be 21 plus. Have a gambling problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER for crisis counseling and referral services. We're also brought to you by BetQL. BetQL is your home for the info that you need to make yourself a smarter better. NBA, college basketball, and the NHL, they've got you covered. Just go to BetQL.com, promo code SGP30. That's BetQL.com, promo code SGP30 for 30% off. And we're also brought to you by Better Than Vegas. Better Than Vegas is the home for the avid sports better, providing insights, analysis, and free betting picks. Better Than Vegas, it's like YouTube for sports betting. Make sure to subscribe to our page so you don't miss a pick at sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash BTV. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash BTV. And finally, we're brought to you by Better Edge. Better Edge is your home for no big betting. That's right, no big betting that is legal in 40 states. Sign up at betteredge.com, promo code SGP, for a free $10 bet. That's B-E-T-T-O-R edge.com, promo code SGP. Hello, hello, and welcome to the MMA Gambling Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network, episode 19. We're almost at our big episode 20, which will be a huge birthday celebration, I'm sure. We'll have something massive planned, probably. Um, I'm your host, Jeff Fox. I am one of the site editors and writers at Sports Gambling Podcast, as well as running the MMA uh, exclusive site, MMA-Manifesto.com, um, and I'm Crummy at picking fights, as you'll find out very, very soon. Um, first, let's uh, introduce someone who'll probably gloat this week. So let's get, him, <laughs> yeah, let's get this over with. Uh, the woohooing would have been would be my co-host, who actually had a good week. He um, also hosts the Top Turtle MMA podcast and the Prelim Picker, which he probably had a good week on those two picking fights, since uh, they're the same as as he picked on our show last week. Uh, that will be Daniel Gumby Vreeland, who went nine and six last week. Nine and six, uh, and actually some of the ones I was the most confident in didn't work, but we'll get to those in a second. But nine and six, and it, I, I didn't do the math out. Profitable nine and six, or did I? Did no, I, no, it was still. You, see, this I, is the know, problem with picking is, every fight. <laughs> yeah, which is crazy. You you hit sixty percent. Uh, you lost a dollar twenty. If you bet a hundred bucks on every fight, well, I that, was that's uh, partially because it, when you bet a hundred dollars on Amanda Nunes, yeah. you win like thirty two cents. <laughs> uh, we we made nine dollars and nine cents off that <laughs> fight. Yes, uh, I went six to nine. I had a very poor night and I was down six hundred and twenty six bucks, which I really am down because I totally follow my advice and I. I make all the bets I tell everyone else to make and I make them all for a hundred bucks. So, um, yeah, I'm in deep, bad, bad shape. Um, for the year of 2021, I am down to 40 and 48, uh, which is like not very good. Um, Dan would be at 35 and 43. So he's creeping up a bit closer. He's still not there yet. So I'm at what? 45% and Dan, um, let the spreadsheet do the work for me. Dan's at 40%. So he's creeping up. Um, He's still down like 500 more bucks than I am. Um, as for our locks, we both hit our locks, which is a 
after the first week of us having a lock pick, uh, those, both those fights fell through. Last week, our, um, both our fights uh, that we picked as locks uh, came through at UFC 259. I had uh, um, Euros Medic. Or Medic, I think we were saying on the broadcast, which is what we thought his name was going to be. Um, he came through. He looked fantastic. Uh, I had him at minus 170, so I made 58.82 off that. And Dan had Alexander Rakic, um, who did not look so hot, but he won anyway, uh, minus 165. So that uh, Dan was up 60.61 for that. So um, we hit our locks, which is the important thing. Yeah. You had you had a bunch more though. Yeah, I had a bunch more too, but I, I think. You're right about Rachich. He didn't look real great, but also he fought the fight that that was being presented to him. Like, he, he was never in any danger of losing that fight, right? Like, Santos never landed anything that looked close to a devastating blow. So, I, I will say that that, while he didn't look good in a traditional sense, he also, he did exactly what he needed to to win, which is kind of what I thought he was going to do. I, I thought he was going to be more aggressive because he was going to be presented with a more aggressive fight, but... Uh, you know, hey, props to him for winning whatever he could. And also props to us for both hitting, I mean, they're favorites, but slight favorites that uh, would have made you guys money. So make sure you listen to our locks at the end of the show, too. That's right. We have good advice at the end of the show as well as the beginning of the show. Yeah, and in between, not so much. Uh, the beginning of the show, we tell you what we should have done. So that, that's good advice. And then the end of the show, we tell you our lock picks. But the picks in between, uh, you know. Take it with a grain of salt. Um, except Dan, I think, is on the upswing now, so who knows? Um, this could be onward and upward for him. Um, weird night of, of fights. Um, we had, you know, it started off some exciting stuff, and then we had, like, a big drag in the middle, it seemed, of, of not-so-exciting stuff, and then we had some nonsense in the uh, in the championship fight. So um, not really what you could have predicted. Yeah, nonsense is a great way to put it. Like, it was a lot of bizarre things. Like, fights you did you thought would deliver didn't. Fights that you didn't think would deliver did. Uh, and then, obviously, the weirdness of the first title being, you know, changing hands due to a DQ. Right. So, in the main event, um, Jan Blokowicz shocked the world and beat Israel Adesanya. Um I don't agree with the 10-8. He was given for round five, but uh, I thought he had won the fight. Um, the scorecards made it look like he he steamrolled uh, Adesanya, which which wasn't the case. Um, but I thought he won. I take it you probably agree with that that you that you thought he won too. So here's what I will say. First of all, you know, congratulations to him because he won a fight that we we thought he could win. We didn't pick him to win. We thought he could win, but also we never thought he could win the way he did. Right, like he won a fight by outpointing Idesanya on the feet and on the ground, which we thought if he was going to win, he was going to go in there and steamroll him, or he's going to throw a big right and and that was going to land or something like that. So props to him first and foremost. But I, I mean, like, there's no debating that Jan Blankovic won the fourth and fifth rounds, right? Like he got the takedowns, he controlled on the ground, he even did damage on the ground. So he wins the fourth and fifth. I basically had rounds one, two, and three as a coin flip. And I'm going to be honest, I was leaning Israel Adesanya on most of them. Um, in, in like the the second round, I believe it was, I kind of leaned Jan. So when those scorecards were coming in, you know, even though the announcers were very pro-Jan and, and you know, if you're looking around Twitter, they it was very pro-Jan, 
part of me was still like, there's a chance Adesanya won one, two, and three. Um, I was surprised that judges had only given him one of those three rounds. Um, and, and I haven't looked at the judges' scorecards. It was probably a different round for each one of them, um, if I note the judges. And the 10-8 is absolutely egregious. I, I think that there's no reason to give Jan Blankovic a 10-8 in any of those rounds. The, the domination that he showed on the ground was not anywhere near close to what I would consider the criteria needing for that. Right. Yeah, he never had him in danger. He never had him close to close to finishing him, which basically I think is what a 10-8 really should be. Maybe it's not in the rules. Uh, I haven't read the rules, so uh, I don't know I, for sure, but is that not the case? I've read the rules, and it, and it doesn't need you to like almost finish him, but it needs you to, to have done like significant damage, and it needs to be like moderately one-sided. Um, it, it even doesn't say like the person doesn't have to, to mount no offense, but like substantially less. And like in all of those rounds, despite the fact that like, you know, three minutes on top is Jan Blankovic and, and Israel pretty much doing nothing. There was like a minute and a half to two minutes at the beginning where it was like pretty much a 50-50 striking battle at that point. And maybe even one of those rounds you lean towards Idesanya on the feet. So w- with all of that, like. I mean, like, are we just going to give anybody who gives three minutes of top game a 10-8? Like, I think that that's kind of absurd. So, uh, I mean, I would have to go back and watch it again to say with 100% certainty. But my initial reaction was when I heard that, you know, two different judges had given 10-8s, I I thought that that was definitely, definitely, definitely not warranted. Yeah. Regardless of what the rules say, you generally don't see it unless a a fighter is, is in serious trouble. You generally don't see... A guy get get ten aided, a guy or gal get ten aided unless they are getting pieced up seriously or or, or at the at the verge of of either getting tapped out or, or beat um, beat up in into submission that type of thing. Um, as for the judges, one of them gave Adesanya the th- or two of them gave Adesanya the third, one gave him the second. Is how that broke down. Everyone gave Blockovich the first, um, and then two out of three gave him gave him the second round, and then all of them gave him the third and the fourth. I mean, sorry, the fourth and the fifth. So, um, I thought Adesanya would. He doesn't seem upset one bit <laughs> that he lost. I, I thought he'd be uh, claiming that he won. Usually, uh, any kind of decision of victory, the person on the losing end claims that they won, but he seems to not really care whatsoever that he got rid of the zero in his in his record. Yeah, well, and I, I think there's probably multiple levels to that. First of all, he is one of those fighters who who doesn't just talk about being, like, a quote-unquote martial artist, but he actually, like, lives that mentality where he's, like, trying to learn his art, and that's the most important thing in, in his world. So, like, in, in a sense, I think that's some of it. I think still having the middleweight title to throw over his shoulder and defend and, and to expand his legacy, I think that's some of it. And thirdly, I think also the fact that the golden goose that is John Jones is seemingly off the table anyway. John Jones got huge. Like the dude looks massive. He looks like one of his brothers now. So I just think uh, probably all of those things together, like, you know, the reason he was going up to light heavyweight, I thought originally was to chase Jones. Um, Then Jones is off the table. He still got his middleweight title, you know, like, and ultimately, too, I think he recognizes that, like, this is a sport where at a certain point in time you lose. Um, you know, his idols, his idol is, or he, he stated before that he looked up to his whole career, Anderson Silva. Like, you just know that at some point in time, if you're an Anderson Silva fan, your time comes. So, 
I, I think he's going to go back down. He's probably going to beat the hell out of Costa again. He's probably going to beat the hell out of Robert Whitaker again. He's going to beat Darren Till if he ever figures it out. He'll he'll go beat Marvin Vittori again. And we'll still be talking about him as one of the great middleweights of all time. Right. So what, who do you think next for him? Costa or um, Whitaker? I take it, right? Whoever wins that fight coming up. Yeah, I think that that's the only answer. I mean, like Marvin Vittori, yeah. I, I think has – is he fighting Darren Till um, I think somewhere right, in there, yeah. yeah, and like, he's a, he's a viable option, but ultimately, yeah, I think Whitaker's done enough, in my opinion, to already warrant it, so if he goes out and beats Costa, that's, that's the real answer, and, and Costa's trying to talk his way into a second one, so I hope to God that Whitaker gets it instead. <laughs> yep, no doubt, and then, um, sounds like Blockovich, sounds like everyone's on the same page that Glover Teixeira is going to get the next shot, which I think everyone is happy with uh, inside and outside of the, of the UFC. Yeah. I'm souped about cause I mean, like he sort of feels like the Michael Bisping of the 205 pound division. Like he was so good for so long and right in the thick right. of things for so long. And it just took like the division opening up in like the weirdest way uh, for him to finally get, you know, like, if he does win this title, to finally get the title at, like, this super odd time, um, which is kind of what happened to Bisping, right? Like, he, he was chasing Anderson Silva all those years. He only got a hold of Anderson Silva when he was a shell of himself, and then he, he took the title off a of rock hold in the weirdest way possible. And, like, way past when – like, that was not the best Michael Bisping. Michael Bisping won the title when he was, like, not his best self. And, heck, I think we're about to see Glover Teixeira do that same thing. It, it wouldn't be out of the realm of possibility for sure. Except he's way older than than Bisping uh, would have been. He's what forty. I think he's older is he, than Bisping. Is, I think he's older oh, yeah. than Bisping anyway. Yeah, yeah. Like, never mind yeah, that Bisping think, was when he won. <laughs> yeah, I think he was what born in '77, possibly. Uh, let me see. I might be off on that. He was '79, so he's 41 right now. So he could be 42 by the time he gets the, the title shot. So yeah, that would be uh, quite a uh, quite an underdog uh, story there. So. No underdog story coming through in the co-main event. Um, it went the way everyone expected it. Amanda Nude steamrolled Megan Anderson. Um, once she, like, <laughs> it, it's um, few fighters. It's uh, it, their power is is noticeable as Amanda Nunes. Like once she hits people, it's very very noticeable on, on the opponent's face and their body language that they've never felt anything like that before. You don't generally see that in the sport where everyone is able to keep poker faces most of the time. Yeah, and, and the interesting thing to me, too, that it, it just tipped it off so much that she just hits different is when she slugged Megan Anderson and Megan Anderson, she had that panicked look, but then she also shot for, like, that weird sloppy uh, baby deer leg takedown. Um, and I was just like, oh, Megan Anderson is shooting a takedown. This has gone badly for her. Like, <laughs> you know, like, that's that's not what you want to see. So, yeah, and, and like... Hey, I said that it was going to happen on the ground most likely. If you listened last week, I think I said ground and pound if I go back. But I said it was going to happen on the ground. I didn't think it was going to get there this way. But, like, I mean, Amanda Nunes is so much better than all of the other women in whatever there is for a featherweight division in all of the bantamweight division. So this could be expected. Um, again, I would never advise betting on somebody at negative 1,000. But if there was somebody to bet on at that number, it's certainly her. Yeah, and then when you do um, die for a takedown to try to save yourself, she's got incredible. Uh, she stuffed her immediately, and then it turned her, uh, basically uh, put her on her back and and 
and tapped her out almost immediately. Like she, there's no holes in, in her game whatsoever. Yeah, and the the submission game too is is really nuanced too. Like she, yep. she seemed like she was falling off the top of Megan Anderson's back, and a lot of people just dive on that armbar. And is she instead threading that reverse triangle? was so smart because it, like, gave her another level of control to finish the armbar. Um, and, and, I mean, she could have finished the inverted or the, the reverse triangle from there, too, because that's possible if you pull up on the arm the right way. So, like, I mean, like, it, it's clear that she's not just a big power puncher who can punch Cyborg into the Shadow Realm. She's also, like, an amazing jujitsu artist as well. So, yeah, I don't see anybody beating her for the conceivable future until she's decided to retire or she becomes old and decrepit. Right. No, I expect this is probably the end of, of the featherweight division. Um, there's no, there's no up and comers. There's no, you know, there's really no point in having, having this division. Cause there's, we don't need, they don't need the division to, to showcase uh man news. Cause she's, she fights a band weight also. So there's really no, no purpose uh, yeah, for the it, division whatsoever. It's so weird to me that they keep trying to like pretend it's a real division. And I think it's just so that they can leave another belt on Nunez, uh, you know, and, and like maybe they just keep running these one-offs, right? Like they, they pick up a couple of contenders, make them fight. And then like, oh, okay, well the winner gets Nunez, which it seems like, by the way, they're doing again because Felicia Spencer has got to fight with Danielle Wolf, who. Coming off the Contender Series, the only featherweight ever to fight on the Contender Series. She's 1-0 in MMA. She didn't look great doing it, but I almost guarantee you if she beats Felicia Spencer by some miracle, she's not, she's going to get taken down and submitted, spoiler alert, uh, but if she some mir- by some miracle beats Felicia Spencer, I guarantee we're going to see Amanda Nunes back at featherweight to defend the belt against Danielle Wolf. So basically it's the it's Chris Cyborg um method of booking you just you know you um, find what's there find what's there and throw it throw it uh throw it to the wolves and um, the, the thing the i will say about this though is while i don't like that they keep doing that it is giving the bantamweight a chance division a chance to like shake itself out so we don't just see her fight holly home every other weekend like or or jermaine durandamy for that matter so like i guess in that sense i i don't mind it but like I don't know. It, it just seems like a, a weird move uh, to not just like, I mean, like what would stop them from just doing like an ultimate fighter tournament at that weight and then having, you know, 16 women in that division, even just 16. If, and so that you could, you could hang a rankings on your website and not look like, you know, like this ridiculous thing where you just put Amanda Nunes' face at the top and then there are no names below her. Yeah, I know. But just, yeah, it's silly. Uh, speaking of Holly Holm, uh, Apparently she is out of her upcoming fight against Juliana Pena, so now Pena is is uh, campaigning to fight Nunes next, I assume, at Bantamweight, and Dana White's considering it is what the headlines say. So that could be what's next. Before I ask you what's next for Nunes, uh, that that could be at another uh, Juliana Pena, um, who she will run over also. Yeah, I, I think that that's going to be it. I'm not sure she's the right person to, because let's be honest, like didn't she just get submitted by Jermaine Durandamy? And, and like, so then why isn't Jermaine Durandamy or or somebody like that fighting? So like, that that's a weird move for me. But like, also, people don't want to see Amanda Nunes in rematches that she beat the hell out of the person the first time. So I guess right. you know, bring us the new contender and watch her kill her too. So um, yes, not exciting, but at the same time exciting because you're gonna get to see Amanda Nunes. 
just like the gladiator days, right? Yeah. Exactly. Watch her kill her. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, before we, we break down the schmazzle of, of the band away, let's, let's get one of these ad reads things. We got our new one this week. This is, uh, this is an exciting one. It's for Bet SGPN. That would be us, the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. Uh, we're proud to announce we've just launched Bet SGPN. So that's betsgpn.com. It's your home for all the best online sportsbook promotions. Our feature sports book this week is Points Bet. That's what all um, all the bets that I could find, all the lines that they have posted so far for next week's fight card. I will. Um, that we'll be going through in a couple minutes are from from points bet um and they have plenty of parlays uh if you like par- uh, parlays they've got you covered with a lot of parlay boosts um what else we got here they got tons of player props and live wagering options um they want us to they want me to mention a bet i like from points bet you'll be hearing that uh, a bunch of bets i like uh, from them coming up because like i said the the lines we're using um, coming up, the majority of them are directly from points bet. So any fight I pick, uh, unless I say I hate the line, it's it's one that that I recommend. And I like the line for. Um, if all that isn't enough, uh, they're offering two risk-free bets up to two thousand dollars. That's right, up to two thousand dollars in risk-free bets. So make sure you go to pointsbet.com promo code. You guessed it, SGP. So it's pointsbet.com promo code SGP. Uh, terms and conditions apply. Void where prohibited. Must be 21 plus. Have a gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER for crisis counseling and referral services. There you go. Um, I finally got to read the terms and conditions. That's exciting. I've never done that before. Void where, where prohibited. Very exciting. You you sounded like a pro doing it, too. There you go. I am a pro. This is episode, what, 19, dude. I'm a pro now. <laughs> All right. Um, what do you think of that Bantamweight fight? Um Aljamain Sterling um, got the UFC bantamweight belt around his waist briefly before he, he put it back down because he didn't want it that way. I think he's come to his senses now and has uh, accepted it. But he uh, clutched uh, victory out of the jaws of defeat by taking a vicious illegal knee, which Peter Young was warned right before he threw it that he shouldn't throw it because it's illegal. So that was uh, quite the ending to a championship fight, a fight everyone was looking for. The fight basically everyone was looking forward to the most uh, on this fight card. Yeah, it was weird. And I will say this too. It was also weird because the judges scorecards were in a weird place, right? Like uh, they went and got the judges scorecards. Aljamain Sterling up on one of them. Um, He's down on the other two. And I think he was probably losing that fourth round. The momentum didn't seem to be in his favor, but the momentum had shifted a bunch of times really quickly in that fight anyway. So it wasn't, you know, inconceivable to think he could have possibly squeaked out that fourth round or, uh, you know, wound up winning the decision. Ultimately, I do think Jan was going to win probably by decision. Um, it, it was such a weird move, uh, you know, and, and it's upsetting for him and I get that, but like, I mean, it's the right call. And the other thing I will say about just like accepting the title is like, the other option was is to continue fighting clearly impaired continue fighting yeah and and, you know for everybody out there saying he was faking it and laying it on like dude you 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 don't you don't cry about getting the title upset that that's how you have to take it after you you've like if, if that's the case he wouldn't have taken it that way right like he also he was very visibly upset uh and and to say that he faked it that that's absurd um, but yeah, like he, he could have continued fighting, 
Jan probably would have won, and he probably wouldn't have gotten a rematch. At least now this sets up the rematch, which, you know, before you even ask, that's the right move. Next, Jan is probably the rightful champion if he wasn't a moron. And let me be straight, he is a moron for throwing that knee. Um, so if they decided to move on from him for a fight or two as well, I wouldn't even mind that because, like, screw him for doing that. Um, but with that being said, you know, like, this is a, a good matchup. You just run them again. Meanwhile, you can run, you know, TJ Dillashaw versus Corey Sanhagen or TJ Dillashaw versus Rob Font or Rob Font versus Corey Sanhagen. And then the winner gets those. So this is probably going to take a while to book again. But, uh, yeah, weird circumstances. I mean, the right calls were made all around. Peter Jan is a moron. That, that's pretty much tackles yeah. the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, the, lots to unpack, but that, that's the main takeaway. Um, like, it's not like he didn't know. Well, apparently he didn't know the rules, but even though he was told, clearly told, that he should not throw uh, any kind of kicks or knees, he was told punches only right before he threw it. Uh, he claims he didn't want to throw an illegal blow, but he. He did. He, he clearly made a choice choice to do it. Uh, no one made him do it, and he was clearly told what uh, that if he had done it, it was going to be illegal. Um, Sterling obviously wasn't faking. He was acting like a guy who had just been uh, knocked out, basically. Um, like the, that uh, accounts for a lot of his emotion after after the fight, also because um, he probably didn't know what was going on. Um, and yeah, it was. Uh, I think Jan was going to win. Like uh, what I thought was going to put him over the top before in predicting him to win, um, I think was was coming through his his power, um, his striking power plus his actual like physical strength um, and his you know solid enough grappling to to um, hold off Sterling. Uh, Sterling did look fantastic, um, did gas uh, a bit, but you know he he kept on fighting. But yeah, strange ending ending to the fight and. Um, more than likely, we're going to see the rematch. I don't see any reason why why, why the, we wouldn't see it. And probably uh, Sanhagen versus Dillashaw probably makes the most sense to, to keep the division moving and have another challenger ready to roll. Yeah, I, I think so too, but it, it does suck for Rob Font, who is seemingly mm-hmm. right about there. And, and especially like right if if Peter Jan walks out of this having won and you can sort of relegate Ultimate Sterling down a level – you probably get Corey Sanhagen getting that immediate title shot, and then you get Rob Fawn against Dillashaw. So it sort of sucks for him who winds up the sort of the odd man out in this situation. Right. That always seems, seems to be the case. So there's always going to be at least one a man uh, or woman that's, that's the odd man out. So um, let's move on to this week's card, uh, Edwards versus Muhammad, which I see a couple fights have just fallen off also, which is not good, but – yeah, that uh, last week's card, nothing fell off. We fifteen fights. Fifteen, <laughs> crazy. Like the, I'm sure they did not want to have fifteen fights, and they were not planning on having fifteen fights. They just did that to be safe because ten ton of fights fall through, and they ended up having to cram, uh, cram all these fights in into the uh, allotted TV time. Yeah, I loved the loved the right. pacing of that. Give me that pacing every week. <laughs> exactly. Well, this week, um, I think we're down to. 13 maybe even 12 um before we get to that let me tell you about something some some other awesome sponsor of ours which would be betql do you want to get an advantage over the sports book when it comes to betting then you need to download betql the only app you'll need to make smart bets betql has sharp data for college basketball nba and the nhl so if you want an inside edge for who the pros are backing you need to check out betql 
Plus, they have tons of sportsbook offers for your state. Head over to the App Store or Google Play Store and download BetQL. Uh, I was on there this morning. The uh, I saw they had some hockey picks, which were like 80% uh, winning percentage and 75% winning percentage, which is pretty, pretty wild. That's even better than us here. Um, make sure you bet smarter, not harder. So head over to betql.com, enter promo code SGP30, and you get 30% off your first subscription. That's promo code SGP30, betql.com. All right, um, I see uh, Ricardo Ramos. Um, his fight has been pulled off the yeah, card. Um, yeah, for that one, he, uh, he his opponent, uh, Zabira Tahugov, I believe Zabira Tukugov. I believe he has COVID. And then Nazarat Hakparas was supposed to fight Don Madge, which, spoiler alert, I loved the dog in that fight already. I was all on Don Madge. But he couldn't get a visa, is what I'm being told, coming from South Africa. So both of those fights um, are currently off. But also it should be worth noting that if you're listening to this a little bit later in the week, both Nazrat Hakparast and Ricardo Hamosh are supposed to stay on the card. We just don't know their opponents yet. They should just fight each other. They're only a weight class apart, right? That would be just terrible for Ricardo Hamosh <laughs> as a guy who, just first of all, I think is vastly overrated at, at featherweight. Um, fighting a dude who's an absolute tank of a lightweight, uh, that would be very, very bad for him. But yes. I hope they find two worthy guys on the roster who are willing to take this on six days' notice so we can see those two fight and we can get 15 fights and they can be in an absurdly fast pace, and this time earlier in the night, right. too, because I think it's supposed to start at four or something like that. That's right. I always forget to check the starting times. I always want to give you people starting times, and I always forget to check. Um, so, uh, And whoever does get slotted into those fights, uh, pick – pick them to lose because uh short notice replacement guys uh, do not do very well in fights it's like 37 percent or something they win all right uh yeah this one will be starting uh eight o'clock uh main card and five o'clock for the prelims at this point um it's going down from the ufc apex once again the home their home gym at the ufc campus in las vegas it'll be this coming saturday and we're talking espn plus for uh both portions of the fights card um let's start things off with welterweights matthew semmelsberger versus jason witt um we will go with jason witt first uh 18 and 6 is a pro with three knockouts eight submissions he lost his ufc debut and then won his last fight via submission um his loss in his debut has is his only loss in his past six fights he's gone five and one over uh, the past six fights he's at plus 120 in this one semmelsberger seven and two as a pro, four knockouts, one submission. He won his UFC debut, which is part of a four-fight win streak for him. He is three inches taller, five inches of reach, six years younger, minus 150. And I think I'll be riding with him unless you uh, change my mind here. No, I actually really love Matthew Smellisberger in this fight, too, because you, you, know, you mentioned the reach and the height, height advantage. I think that that's huge in this because both guys have wrestling backgrounds. Um, Jason Witt, you know, looked pretty good wrestling his last time out, but against an opponent who doesn't have particularly good wrestling defense. And then Matthew Smellisberger could have wrestled up Carlton Minus in his debut. I actually thought that that was going to be the easiest path to victory for him. But instead, he peppered him on the feet and actually looked pretty sharp with his striking. And I think that's the difference maker here because they both have the decent wrestling. Huge reach advantage for Smellisberger. Height advantage for Smellisberger. 
And clearly, I think he's the more polished guy in the feet. Witt's got power, but ultimately, if this winds up a stalemate and they wind up on the feet, I think Smellsburg is just going to land so often that we're going to see some bad shots from Witt. You know, we, we've got a decent submission game here from Smellsberger, And I actually think he's probably the better wrestler, too, at the end of the day. So I, I think Smellsberger here, and I think he's actually a pretty safe pick to, to win. Oh, maybe he'll be one of our locks. We'll have to wait and see. Um, I I get first crack this week because you have first crack last week. So uh, I'll have to put, make a, a mental note for that one. Um, moving on, women's straw weight, which could be Jin Yu Fry's last chance at staying in in the UFC. Uh, she'll be going up against uh, newcomer Gloria DePaula. Um, we will break down Jin Yu Fry first. She is the former Invicta Animate champion. Um She's been around the sport for quite a while. A bit of a legend in the uh, in the animate uh, atom weight division. Unfortunately, UFC does not have one, so now she's the undersized um, undersized straw weight. Um, so in this fight, she is coming in with a nine and six record, one knockout, two submissions. She's lost both of her UFC fights thus far um, after going seven and two in Invicta. So she uh, steamrolled people there. Um, grappling stats are in her favor in this fight, but we're talking about small sample size for, for these two women. Um, DePaula, like I said, this will be her debut after winning on the uh, Dana Wick Defender Series to get her card punched to the big show. She's 5-2 and two as a pro with three knockouts. Never been finished in a fight, so she's lost, lost two decision, victory, uh, decision fights. Um, she's won two her last two fights uh, in four of her last five. She's got two inches height, two inches of reach, 10 years of youth on her side. And like I said, small sample size, but striking stats are in her favor. And she's at minus 162. Fry's at plus 134. I'm not sure if I said that before. Uh, do you think, Jin Yu Fry, you think this is it for her? I actually think she's going to win this fight. Wow. I, I, I'm, all right. going, I'm going with Jin Yu Fry on this as an underdog for a couple of reasons. Number one, you mentioned the experience advantage she has. You know, like we're, we're talking about Gloria DePaula here, who's, you know, by no means a bad fighter, right? Like I, I like Gloria, Gloria DePaula, but ultimately, you know, like she's unproven at five and two, too. If you look back at her record, you know, she beat Pauline Macias, which we mentioned before, who, you know, if I'm not mistaken, was like, is she like four and oh, when she went into the contender series, she, she like also had no fights. Um, so like, that's, that's troublesome in the first place that that's all. And she also got like kind of taken down and thrown around by her, which, you know, granted she is a, you know, a judo specialist, but she outstruck a judo specialist with like very little striking. I mean, like Masias was being heralded as like, you know, Ronda Rousey's protege. So she's like Ronda Rousey's judo with even less striking and, and she outstruck her. So like, congratulations, I guess. I, I don't know what to tell you. Jin Yu Fry looks good on the feet when she fights on the feet, right? Like, she looked like she was getting the better of Kay Hansen, who's an absolute beast. She was even putting Kay Hansen, who is a very physically strong 115-pounder, up against the fence, um, which I actually think is her avenue to victory here. I think she just needs to crowd Gloria DePaula, just put her up against the fence, make her work the entire time. And I actually think Fry could wind up with a couple of takedowns here. Um, and ultimately, as long as she stays safe on the feet, and I think she is a little bit more nuanced on the feet, but maybe with a little less power. I think as long as she stays safe there, I think that this is her fight to win using kind of a more complete MMA game. Yeah, DePaula's, uh, her wins. Um, she fought some 0-3, uh, fought someone debuting, uh, fought, uh, beat, beat someone 3-2, and 3-0, and 4-0. and So yeah, she's definitely um, at the experience disadvantage here i'd like to pick fry also and like are you sure on this one dan 
Are you positive? I'm not How sure say, are you? I'm not going to say I'm sure, but I'm going to say, like, I mean, like, man, look at the people she's fought. Like, Ashley Cummins, Mina Grusander, you know, uh, Sohi Ham, who, who people, I think, you know, badly underrate. She fought uh, Ayaka Hamasaki twice, who's a, a killer at Adam Weight. And, like, so the, to me, the, the number of people she's fought that are, are really tough, top-level people, and she's put a decent fight on all of them. It's not like she's getting blown out of the water in any of these fights. To be fighting somebody who's such a step down from everybody she's fought in the past, I mean, at plus money, I think it's worth a stab. All right, let's do it. Let's do it. I, I didn't have a clear choice in this one let's do it dan let's go with uh, junior fight i'd like to see her win anyway i like I like watching her fight so all right um move back to a men's side band of weight jonathan martinez davy grant um but, but, um, let's go with davy grant uh he's 12 and 4 two knockouts eight submissions uh wins all of his losses are via submission which is interesting uh he's only three and three in the ufc but he's won his last two including a knockout win his last fight Striking and grappling stats are in his favor. He's very hefty, plus 230, uh, going uh, at this point at least. Um, Jonathan Martinez, 13-3, and three, seven knockouts, two submissions. He's never uh, been finished in a fight. He's 4-2 and two in the UFC. He's also won two straight. He's got an inch of reach in nine years um, younger. He's nine years younger than Grant. He's at minus 300. Um, who are you taking in this one? With the odds where they're at, I'm going to surprise you. I'm going to go dogs twice here early, and I'm going to go with Davey Grant. Um, I have him too. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, because, I mean, the body – For that number, I figure. Yeah, A, the number is the big piece for me, right? Like, if I saw Davey Grant in here at, like, plus 140, would I be at least considering Jonathan Martinez? Yes. But at negative 300, Jonathan Martinez is absolutely nobody I'm interested in. And I would say this too is I actually think that – Davey Grant has a really good chance as long as he mixes things up. Because that's the thing for me is that, like, he is a really good grappler. And he showed lately that he's getting better at the striking. I think he's at a striking disadvantage against Jonathan Martinez unless he forces Jonathan Martinez to wrestle a little bit. Unless he forces Jonathan Martinez to defend those takedowns then I think Grant might actually be able to open up with the striking a little bit more. So I'm kind of hoping that happens here, especially with the numbers where they're at. And, and, you know, it's worth noting, too, Jonathan Martinez has been taken down by some guys who I do not feel are very good or very, you know, UFC caliber. I mean, he got taken down three times by Waliji Buren, who, uh, you know, is not a top-notch UFC guy. He went 0-3 in the UFC, including the losing to Rolando Dai. So, like... For him to have been taken down so many times by a guy who I don't really think is a particularly good fighter, um, I, I have hope here that Davey Grant can get him down. And, and at the very least, like I said, mixing it up will do it for him. All right, there you go. Um, it, it's Even if one of these uh, plus money ones come through, we're, we're good. So there you go. Back-to-back dogs for you all people. Um, before we move on, let me tell you about Better Than Vegas. Better than Vegas, it's like YouTube, but for what hashtag the gens only care about, which would be sports betting. Best part is you'll be able to get free video picks from the SGPN crew. Uh, I gave you nothing but losers last week. Well, actually, I gave you Amanda Noon's winner. There you go. <laughs> and, 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 and I told you Dan liked Aljamain Sterling, so there you go. 
did the top turtle Dan also does videos on top turtle. Did you guys have I didn't see your videos last week. Did you oh, have winners on that? Oh absolutely. We only had winners. There you go. So I, I gave there you, you go. I gave you last week I gave you Tim Elliott and Alexander Vajic and yeah. Shockwave Dave popped in to tell you to put money on Jan Blankovic. So uh There you go. Yeah, not only hitting you but hitting you with a couple of plus money picks in there. That's what you get at Better Than Dot Vegas. Um, make sure you do subscribe. To, you can subscribe to Top Turtle if you like, but make sure you subscribe to the Sports Gambling Podcast crew's uh, page. That would be sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash BTV. And that way you won't miss any of our videos. Anytime uh, one of the crew posts a new video, you will get a notification for it. Um, and I'll have some more hopefully winning picks uh, this week for you. For I usually post them Saturday morning, and that will be for Edwards versus Muhammad. Um, so make sure you go to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash BTV and subscribe to the Better Than Be- Dot Vegas page today at sportsgamblingpodcast.com BTV. All right, uh, featherweights. Um, Charles Jordan versus Marcelo Rojo. Uh, Jordan actually had, the, I think, the tweet of the night last night. Did you see his tweet? Um, okay, it was. Uh, he said there's one fighter he fears in his division, uh, featherweight division, and that is Amanda Nunes. <laughs> That, Which is yeah. probably true. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good point. <laughs> yeah, it's probably true. All right, so Rojo, I assume it's Rojo. I believe it is Rojo, yes. All right, because he's probably a Brazilian, right? Uh, Argentinian. Oh, I think we went through this before with him. He, did he have a fight? He did. He, he was supposed recently. to fight okay. Rayoni Barcelos. He, right. he was yeah, actually yeah, yeah, your yeah. lock of the night before he fell uh-huh. out with COVID, and they rebooked right. Rojo, but they didn't rebook Barcelos yet. Right. Okay. So this is a short notice fight, which I have. I did know that. I just forgot that we actually had uh, broken it down. Yes. Um, this is his UFC debut, Rojo. That would be. Um, and this is he's taking on short notice because he, but he would have been in camp already because he had a fight just a couple weeks fall through. But he wasn't preparing for this guy. Uh, he is 16 to six as a pro, eight knockouts, six submissions. So he's a finisher. Uh, he won his last fight via knockout. He has not actually fought in a fight, uh, an official fight since September of 2019, though. Um, I've actually did the stats for this year for short notice fights uh, for fighters who have uh, been out of action for at least a year. Um, there's been 30 of those uh, so far in uh, in the UFC in 2021, which is an enormous amount. But that's basically because of uh, the pandemic thing if you if you heard of that so what do you what do you think i found when i did i crunched those numbers then how did those fighters do in their fights on short notice yeah Uh, short notice being less than a month or a month month or less is is what i consider short notice i'm gonna say less than 20 percent winners 50 15 and 15 so it's it's made no difference whatsoever this year at lost parts 50 percent which is very strange yeah, that that is strange. So uh, yeah. our, our usual breakdown, which I mean, like yeah. the, the pr- prior stats about having short notice fights, uh, yeah. holds up over long periods of time. But yeah, right now we're we're relatively. Yeah. I almost wonder too. You know, we we don't have to get too much into this. I wonder too if some of that is because everybody knows a short notice fight might be coming now and is right. just like in camp right now, being yep. like, this pandemic is going to get me into the top fifteen. <laughs> right. Yeah, I, I may uh, I may expand it and, and do 2020 if I have spare time, which I never do. But hey, uh, anyhow, that was a, a sidebar, but it is interesting. I, I will still mention when, when someone's on short notice because uh, it, it, I, I feel it is something to, to think of, even though the numbers haven't really bared out a small sample size thus far. Uh, one last thing for Rojo, he uh, normally, I believe he normally fights at Bantamweight, um, at least as far uh, when I look back at his record, that was the case. Is that 
as far as you know, too, Dan? Yeah, that's, Norm- that's, okay. my under, that's my understanding, but again, he hasn't yeah. fought in a very long time. Right, right. Uh, he's at plus 205 in this one. He's fighting up a weight class, short notice, making his debut. He's been out for, what, a year and a half, so that, that would explain the number probably. Plus, the guy he's fighting is pretty good, um, even even if he's scared of a girl. Uh, that's Charles Jourdain. Uh 10-3-1 as a pro, seven knockouts, three submissions, so we've talked all finishes um, for his wins, and he's never, the other side of the, the ball, he's never never been finished at all in a fight. Uh, he hasn't been so successful in the UFC, though. He's 1-2-1. and one. Um, his last two fights have resulted in a draw and a loss. Um, he will be an inch taller, seven years younger. He's at minus 270. Um, he's my he's my pick to win this one. I think he's finally going to get his uh, get a his first win in what three fights it'll be. Yeah, and so I I will say I'm going to take him as well, and I will also say I'd like to excuse his record a little bit because that first loss to Desmond Green was on short notice against, you know, a very talented wrestler in Desmond Green. He comes out and knocks out Duhu Choi. He loses a split decision to Andre Feely. And if you go back and look, and I'm going to actually go back and look at his his uh, MMA decisions for the draw with Josh Kulabau too. Uh, if, if you go back and look, it's, first of all, a few fight, or a few guys had him beating Feely, which, you know, is, is worth noting, including one of the judges. And pretty much every single media member had him beating Josh Kolobau, which I did as well. He clearly wins the second and third round, in my opinion. And for some reason, the judges are all crazy on that one. So, you know, like, yeah, his record doesn't look good, but there's a lot of reasons why. And, I mean, you can really ignore a loss to Andre Feely. I like him in this fight, not just because we're excusing his record here, but also Marcelo Rojo, if you look back at his fights as a guy who comes forward, kind of swings wildly, isn't afraid to brawl a little bit. And he's going in there, like you said, with a guy who hurts people, right? And and that's what that's what Charles Jordan does. You know, he knocked out Duhu Choi, who, you know, notoriously took 850 punches to the dome from Cub Swanson and just kept coming. So, I mean, like, he is an amazing stand-up guy. I, I thought before when Rojo was fighting Rayone Barcelos, it was a much worse fight for him because he was going to have to defend the grappling as well. I'd say he has more of a chance in this fight because he is is going to be looking for that striking match with Charles Jordan. But ultimately, I think Jordan is a little bit more polished. And I might not be jumping at the negative 270 line, but I, I do like him to win this fight. Um, what would the line be, Jordan versus Amanda Nunes? Ooh. <laughs> I mean, I think the rule when you're you're writing an Amanda Nunes line is you always yeah. start with three zeros. So uh, yeah, exactly. Amanda, Nunes, Amanda Nunes negative 1,000? Like... <laughs> there you go. All right. Um, moving on to Bantamweights. Uh, Ronnie Yaha. Yaya uh, versus Ray Rodriguez. Uh, let me see. We'll start with Rodriguez. 16 and 7. As a pro, three knockouts, eight submissions. He lost his UFC debut. He also lost in Dana White's contender series. So he's never won a fight in the octagon. Um, he's lost three times by submission, which uh, matters to, considering who he's fighting. Um, he's spoiler alert there. Um, inch of height, four inches of reach, three years younger. So all that's in his favor, at least. Uh, the betting line is not though. He's at plus two forty. Uh, Yaya twenty six ten one and one with twenty. 20 submissions. He is an insanely good grappler inside MMA and outside. He's quite decorated in the jiu-jitsu world. He's also 4-3 and three in the WEC. I uh, always want to mention when the WEC guy is fighting because WEC never die. Um, he made his debut 20 years ago almost, September <laughs> 2002. Um, 
he made his debut. But he's not doesn't seem to be slowing down. His last five fights, three wins, one loss, one draw. Um, however, over his last two fights, one, uh, he's only has one win. Uh, sorry, a loss and a draw. Uh, striking stats are in his favor, and you grappling stats may not be in his favor, but he's definitely the superior grappler here. Um, very small sample size. He's at minus 300. Uh, I'll take him at minus 300 and. This can probably be one of our, our props. We'll, we'll make him win by submission and, uh, and make that number nicer. Yeah, I, I think this is an easy one. You take Hany by submission. Not only is Ray Rodriguez giving up submission losses, but if you look at the type of person who beats Ronnie, you, you mentioned he hasn't had a really great record as of late. The people who are beating him are people like Ricky Simone, who who is a really strong wrestler, as he's shown in his last fight against uh, Brian Keller. Joe Soto, who's a good wrestler and grappler. I mean, he drew with Enrique Barzola, who, again pretty damn good at wrestling um so ray rodriguez is not that you know and he kind of got taken down and ragdolled by tony gravely and he, he shot kind of a desperation takedown on on brian kelleher and got a submission snapped up so if you're getting subbed by brian kelleher and your goal is to get the fight to the ground you are not gonna have a good time with honey I, uh... <laughs> no uh, we do have a good time saying his name though honey I, uh, is one of the best yeah. best names in the sport um now we move on to the main event of the prelims. A couple of ladies who basically really need a win at this point. Women's this will be women's flyweight. Uh, Courtney Casey versus JJ Aldrich. Um, Courtney Casey is nine and eight as a pro. Three knockouts, four submissions, five and seven in the UFC. She swapped wins and losses uh, between her last four fights. Um, she lost her last fight. So she's two and two in the last four. That would mean also um, two inches taller. Grappling stats in his favor, plus one ten. Uh, Aldrich eight and four as a pro, two knockouts. Um, has not fought in over a year. It was January of 2020 when she fought last. Four and three in the UFC, three and one in Invicta before that. Um, she lost her last fight and she's only won one of her last three. Five years younger, minus 135. I think I may go for a dog here because I want to pick a dog and I don't think either. Uh, other ladies really that much better than the other maybe you've got a different opinion of that though uh, i agree with you to take the dog here and i actually think one of the ladies is significantly better than the other but it's courtney casey uh, i think courtney casey well um you know courtney casey kind of written off as is a fighter who uh wasn't really meeting her potential you know like we we kind of put her in the same uh, Alexa Grasso sort of realm, right? Like she's oh, very physically gifted, but she just doesn't seem to be able to put it together. I think we're going to see a better Courtney Casey at flyweight since she's moved up. Yeah, she lost to Jillian Robertson. Jillian Robertson is an incredible grappler, right? She's a Dean Thomas black belt. So like, let, let's let not, you know, kind of put the pin in Courtney Casey at flyweight until we've seen her fight some other people. And hey, like Courtney Casey's first fight at flyweight, you know, she kind of did exactly what she needed to against Mara Romero Barella. She... She did wind up on her back in that fight, but she quickly armbarred her and ended it in like, I don't know, it was like three minutes or something like that. So I like Courtney Casey in this one because I think J.J. Aldridge does not threaten the grapple enough. Like she is not going to shoot a takedown or she is not going to score a takedown on Courtney Casey. She's also not a super physically strong flyweight. So you, you aren't expecting, you know, Courtney Casey to sort of face that oh, I'm coming up in weight, I'm facing somebody much physically stronger than I'm used to. You know, I actually think J.J. Aldridge is probably going to be at a strength disadvantage here. So I, I kind of expect Courtney Casey to score a couple of takedowns here, to mix it up enough. And, you know, on the feet, does Aldridge have a slight advantage? Yeah, and that's probably why she's in here as the favorite. But I don't think that that advantage is enough to sway this fight. Um, so I'm going with Courtney Casey. 
Orin, we have all the same picks for the prelims, which actually it's probably good for you, you listeners out there, because um, that means we're, they're all going to come through because we're we never agree with one we, another. We, so there you well, go. you got to tail they're, they're you got to tail me after you got to tail me after <laughs> last week, you know, because obviously it's true. I'm red hot. It's true. I tailed you on one of the picks, uh, the Fry one, but I, I didn't have a uh, a solid grasp of that fight. So you, um, you made it clear to me, obviously, that's the one I should pick. So, all right, um, this is going to be one hell of a long episode because we have seven fights on the main card. So um, before we dive into those, let's tell you about our last uh, sponsor here, Better Edge. Better Edge uh, allows you to buy and sell betting positions like a stock market. Best part is it allows you to bet with no VIG. Since you're buying positions from other sports bettors, there's no house. So that's right, no VIG betting. Uh, they're currently legal in more than 40 states. If sports betting without a VIG, um, you literally can't beat it. So make sure you sign up today at BetterEdge. is B-E-T-T-O-R Edge.com and use the promo code SGP for a free $10 bet. So that's B-E-T-T-O-R Edge.com, promo code SGP. All right. Like I said, we, we got you guys are getting your money's worth, guys and guys getting your money's worth this week. This is a, a long episode, and we've got seven fights in the uh, main card, which is pretty crazy. Um, middleweights, we'll start with Eric Anders. They're in the Dentist Stewart. Um, Anders, um, yeah, this one's at middleweight. He's been bouncing around light heavyweight middleweight. Um, he's former football, collegiate football player. He's 13-5 and five in MMA, eight knockouts, one submission. Five and five and five in the UFC. He won uh, his one and only fight in Bellator. Also, um, he's won two of his last three, but he lost his last fight. Uh, he's only won two of his last six. Uh, one inch taller, one inch of reach, plus 150 dog. As for the dentist, he's 12, 6, 0, oh, and 1. Seven knockouts, one submission. In the UFC, he's also five and five with one no contest. He also lost his last fight, and he's only won one of his last Three, he's gone one and two. That would mean, uh, according to my math, three years younger, striking and grappling stats in his favor, minus 185. Um, I will take the dentist here. Yeah, I'm going to take the dentist here too. And, and you know, you mentioned Eric Anders has only got two wins in his last six. By my count, he's got one win in his last six because he also <laughs> oh, lost you. that fight. To, that he lost that fight to Gerald Mearshart. There's no way he won that <laughs> fight either. Like that is a hard loss, and I don't know how the judges came up with that one. But yeah, Dar- Darren Stewart, worthy guy here uh, for a couple of reasons. Number one, his wrestling, as far as his wrestling goes, is crazy underrated. Um, you know, like I, I think not enough people give him credit for both offensive and defensive wrestling. And yeah, he had that weird loss. Uh, technically it was at Cage Warriors 113 when that pandemic first started and they rescheduled that fight to an 170 pounder who out wrestled him. But you got to remember too, that he was preparing for a striking battle and, and then kind of had a last second change. And all of a sudden he was fighting in a different place. It was very weird. So, uh, you know, like I actually think he, you know, split decision to Kevin Holland, split decision to Edmund Shavazian. He, he's really right on that cusp of the top 15. I think he's a high quality opponent here. I also think there's a good chance he stings uh, Eric Anders on the feet because while Anders has got a lot of power, he can be a little reckless and he's kind of easy to hit. So I, I like Stewart here for that reason. Um, and, and, you know, like I actually think he could probably out grapple him if he wanted to. So, yeah, I, I like Derek, Darren Stewart quite a bit in this fight. There we go. Another uh, one we agree on. Let's uh, keep moving until we, we find something to argue about here. Uh, flyweights, Matias Nikolai uh, making his return versus Manel Cape. Um, 
I believe that's how you told me how his name was pronounced last time we broke down his fight, right? I believe that's I what still, I still don't said. know the right answer. Um, uh, yeah, so yeah, okay. I can't I'll, remember I'll, what they I'll said. Per, and just... I'll pretend again that I'm doing it right. <laughs> All right. You, you guys aren't here to to hear uh, pronunciations properly. Um, that's that's for damn sure. Um, so, like I said, Nikolai will be making his re-debut uh, to the UFC. He strangely was cut after going 3-1 and one, uh, in his first role, um, his first uh, role through the, the organization. So, overall, he's 15-2-1 with four knockouts, five submissions. Um, like I said, 3-1 and one in the UFC, and then he got cut, and he fought. He went 2-0 outside of the UFC, and now he's back. Um, however, his last fight was August of 2019. Uh, he will be an inch taller. Uh, he's a dog in this one, plus 120. Um, as for the guy who will say his name's Cape, um, 15 and 5, nine knockouts, five submissions. He lost his UFC debut, which he seems surprised by, but he clearly lost it. Um, he's taking this fight on short notice. Uh, two inch reach advantage, um, small sample size, but striking and grappling stats are leaning in his favor. He's at minus 150. What are you thinking about this one? I think I'm going to take the dog in this one. Um, all I right. Will first of all, say I'm a big Manal Cape fan, um, but from before his UFC debut. Uh, right. His UFC debut, I was not a fan of. And no. the fact that he was so shocked that he lost that fight, first of all, is alarming to me because, like, mm-hmm. he clearly lost that fight. He did not go out with any intention of winning. And if that mindset is not different, he's going to get steamrolled here because I think people forget just how good Matthews Nicolau is. He's a guy who came into the UFC and he beat up John Moraga. He beat up Louis Smolka and he got caught by a head kick by Dustin Ortiz, which certainly there's no shame in that because Ortiz is a beast. And then that's when the UFC was like pretending to cut their flyweight division and they cut him for no good reason. He's since then looked very good. Um, He's continued to look very good. And I actually think he is a sneaky good possible guy to be, you know, as a title challenger. He's got two Japanese necktie submissions. He's crazy skilled on the ground. And I think if Kape can keep it on the feet and is fighting like his old dangerous, you know, rising self, he could win this fight. But as far as, like, whether or not I'm confident in him doing that, I'm not. And if it hits the ground, Nikolau is a very, very talented jiu-jitsu artist. So I think Nikolau here has more avenues to win, and I'm also just worried about the mind space of an Cop. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, I, I would like to take uh, take him because he is such a highly regarded prospect. But yeah, that last fight did not did not go well, and his reaction after it was was very, very poor. So Plus, he's, he's fighting another killer here. So... Um, this is a worthy dog we're both taking. Um, and I know the next fight we're going to agree on because we broke it down a few weeks ago. It's Ashley Yoder versus Angela Hill. This would be, what, women's strawweight. Don't have to go too much into it because I'll give you all the stats and stuff, but we broke it down a few weeks ago before it was postponed. Uh, Yoder, um, we're both fans of her, but we think she's going to lose. Uh, Spider Monkey, eight and eight, and, <laughs> correct? Correct. Yeah, eight, uh, yeah you nailed it. <laughs> eight, eight and six is a pro, uh, four submissions, um, victories. She's never been finished herself. Uh, she's three and five in the UFC. Um, however, she's uh, won three of her last five fights, and she won her last fight, which probably saved her job. Um, four inches taller, five inches of reach two years younger grappling stats in her favor plus 275 is the line on that uh, the lines actually increased since we broke it down the first time um points but i believe uh, had had it has it at um plus 275 i think it was only around plus 205 or so when we broke it down the first time a few weeks ago um angela hill 12 and 9 
with five knockouts, seven and nine in the UFC through a couple stints here. Uh, she's lost her last two. She had uh, won three straight before then, so she won three of five. Uh, that would make it. Striking stats in her favor, minus 360 favorite. So, like I said, the lines uh, shifted uh, far more in her favor since we broke it down a few weeks ago. Uh, she beat Yoder July of 2017 via unanimous decision. I think we both probably think she's going to win this one via the same way. Yeah, I'm going to say the same thing, and I'll give you guys the abbreviated version. She's faster and a little bit cleaner on the feet. She's going to put Yoder against the cage. Yoder probably isn't going to get enough of her grappling going to have any continued success. That's there it. you go. Take Angela Hill by decision. There you go. Featherweight, uh, Dan Ige versus – who's he fighting? Gavin Tucker, a Canadian. Oh, maybe I can uh, – <laughs> Betray your country again? Betray <laughs> again. Um, let's go with Tucker first. 13-1. and one. Uh, with four knockouts, six submissions. Uh, his only loss is a dis- uh, decision loss, so he's never been finished. He's 4-1 in the UFC, three straight wins. Uh, grappling stats are in his favor. He's a very good grappler. Um, he's taking this fight on short notice. He's at plus 112. Um, Dan Ige is 14-3, and three, three knockouts, five submissions. Never been finished in a fight either, so you may want to bet this one going to a decision, uh, regardless of who you want to pick to win. Um, six and two in the UFC. He also uh, was on the Contender Series. He won his fight there. He lost his last fight, uh, but he won six straight before then. So he lost his UFC debut, won six straight, then lost his last fight. Um, inch taller than Tucker, five inches of reach, five years younger. Striking stats in his favor, minus 141. And if it's a Canadian, you know I'm going to bet against him, so I'm going to take Ige in this one. And I'm going to tell you that you're wrong again for picking oh, right. against the Canadian. So I'm going to ride with the Canadians here, and I'm going to support your country for a quick second because, listen, Gavin Tucker, you're right. He's got that one loss on his record, and he didn't get finished in it. But it's worth noting that that was one of the worst non-stoppages of all time. The guy was basically on his deathbed at the hands of Rick Glenn. And I think what he learned in that fight is a very valuable lesson. While he can stand and bang with literally everybody in the division and not go out because he can take a beating like no other, he also learned, hey, I'm pretty damn good at this grappling thing. And when I use both of those things together, he's freaking dangerous. And if you look at his last three fights since then, not only has he been dangerous with his hands in those fights... But he's also been very good with his takedowns. He tucked down Sung Woo Choi five times. He took down Justin James only once, but it was only because he only needed one before he subbed him. And then he took down Billy Quarantillo, who everybody was lauding as this amazing grappler. He took him down seven times. So Gavin Tucker basically realized, like, hey, I'm good at this. Why am I going in there and banging with people who can knock me out or people who can hurt me? And since then, he's been amazing. And I actually think that that plays really well against a guy like Dan Ige, who, while Dan Ige likes to grapple, he likes to be on top when he's grappling. And in addition to that, I'm a little bit worried about Dan Ige slugging with him on the feet. Because if Dan Ige starts to get defensive about the grappling, starts to try to defend those takedowns, starts to get too focused on that, Gavin Tucker has big right hands in there. And I think, actually, Gavin Tucker could probably hurt him there. So we're looking at a situation where as long as Gavin Tucker goes in with that same mentality as he has the last three fights, I actually think he's got an advantage here. And Ige only has 59% takedown defense. So it's very, uh, very solid pick. It's a hard, hard one to pick for me. Um, but and yeah, it's, also worth, it's also worth noting that some of those takedowns he's given up to, not to guys you think of as being particularly strong grapplers either. You know, like he, he got taken down by Calvin Cater, who while Calvin Cater is great, not a wrestler, right? Um, he, he got taken down by Kevin Aguilar. I don't know how I feel about getting taken down by Kevin Aguilar, but uh, ultimately, you know, having 
take down to those, not the greatest thing in the world. He also got taken down four times on the contender series. Granted, that was quite a long time ago, but you know, yeah, you're right. 59% is nothing to write home about. No. So I finally differ from Dan. I'm not confident uh, with the pick, but I'm not changing now. No, because uh, um, you've got to betray your country. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) But more, mostly because I was going to say, we have, we have to move on to our favorite, our favorite part of a fight card, which would be hashtag chunky guys. Chunky uh, guys. We have a we have a heavyweight <laughs> battle. Uh, ben Rothwell, Felipe Linz, uh, Linz, fourteen and five row with eight knockouts and four submissions. Uh, he's been knocked out four times. It's something of note. Um, four of his five losses are, are via getting uh, his lights put out. Uh, he's 0-2 in the UFC after going 4-0 in PFL. Um, he also was in Bellator. He was 3-3 in Bellator. Uh, he's four years younger than Rothwell, but everyone's younger than Rothwell at this point, basically. Um, he's plus one, plus 100 dog, because uh, Rothwell, um, since making his debut in January of 2001, so we're talking over 20 years now for uh, Big Ben Rothwell. He's gone 38 and 13, 28 knockouts and six submissions, uh, eight and seven in the UFC. Uh, he's only won two of his last six fights. Uh, he lost his last fight also. He's two inches taller. He also... Based on their last weigh-ins, he should be around 30 pounds heavier than Linz. Um, he weighs in right around 265, and Linz, I believe, was 234, 235 his last fight. Uh, grappling stats and um, the, the eyeball test are both in uh, Rothwell's favor. He's at minus 125. Uh, I, I'm gonna. this is a hard one to pick also. Uh, I'm going to go with the underdog and take some plus money, hopefully. I'm going to differ with you on that one. I love Ben Rothwell in this fight. Um, the thing for me about why I can't go with Linz is that if you look at Linz's fights in the UFC so far, the biggest alarm for me on him is that he just doesn't have any urgency. You know, you look at that last Andre Arlovsky, he was getting picked apart from the outside and he was just like, this is fine. I'm okay with this. I'm okay with being picked apart from distance. And if you look at the types of people he's beaten, he's beaten guys who aren't afraid to rush forward and be reckless, right? Like he beat Alex Nicholson, who, who storms forward. He beat Jared Roshaw, who just wants to be in the clinch with you. He beat Josh Copeland, who just wants to be in the clinch with you. Ben Rothwell is, first of all, better in the clinch than all of those guys. And second of all, also, as we've noted in the last couple of Ben Rothwell fights, is willing to just fight a point fight from the outside. And I think, you know, he, he beat Ovin St. Preux that way. He was beating Stefan Struve that way. And, I mean, then he kicked him in the ball seven times. But, uh, you know, like, he wasn't able to beat Marcin Tybura because Tybura put the pressure on him. But, like, I don't think Linz is going to do that. So, because I don't think Linz is going to put the pressure on Rothwell, I think Rothwell's probably going to win, and maybe this is controversial in a heavyweight fight, a boring distance fight point fight similar to the way that Andre Arlovsky has kind of reinvented himself. So I like Rothwell here, and if you're looking for a prop too, not the worst idea to look at him uh, by decision or the over in this fight as well. There you go. Um, I'm not confident again, but I'm sticking with it um, because I have to betray my fellow Wisconsiners, I guess. Um, <laughs> That's basically Canada, right? <laughs> basically Canada, yeah. Both have silly accents and, and whatnot. Um Co-main event, light heavyweights. Uh, another Canadian, Misha Serkinov, will be fighting uh, Ryan Spann. Let's see if I do it again or not, guys. Um, Ryan Spann, 18-6, four knockouts, 11 submissions, 4-1 in the UFC. Uh, he was 1-1 in the Contender Series. 
Uh, he lost his last fight, which uh, and he was knocked out in that fight. Um, he's two inches taller, two inches of reach on Sirkinov, four years younger, plus 112. Sirkinov's 15 and four, four knockouts, nine submissions. He's six and three in the UFC, uh, but he's only gone two and three over his last five fights. So he started off four and zero. Oh. Uh, he did win his last fight though, but that was back in September 2019. Striking and grappling stats in his favor, minus one, 141 uh, points bet, and um, I'm taking him surprisingly. You're, you're taking a well, I guess he's he was originally born in Latvia, so yeah, it's not exactly. real, you're not really supporting the Canadians. Just somebody who moved right. to Canada. Um, and I think he trains out of Vegas too at this point. So yeah, yeah. I think he's is he an extreme <laughs> couture guy or something right. like that, right? So yeah, I, and I like Serkinov in this fight too. My big concern here is Ryan Spann's takedown defense. Um, it didn't look good against Devin Clark. Um, and and for me, Serkinov is actually probably a more talented grappler than a lot of people in this division. I think Span is going to want to keep it standing. And, and I mean, look, Serkinov took down Jimmy Crute, who I rank very highly as a grappler. And not only did he take him down, he, he hit him with a Peruvian necktie, which is just crazy to say out loud. So I think Serkinov's grappling game is heavily underrated. And as long as he gets Span there, I think he's actually going to finish him too. Peruvian necktie is crazy to say out loud. It's true. It's crazy to, <laughs> crazy to watch too. So yeah. We were all talking right, about um, Japanese neckties earlier, too. We got all exactly. kinds of neckties. It's true. All over the world here. Um, go with welterweight. Main event. Um, they finally given up on Leon Edwards versus um, <laughs> the, the recently retired and then not retired after um, his dictators told him uh, he's not going to retire. His UFC dictator plus his, uh, his uh, Chechen dictator. That would be uh, – what's his name again? Uh, Chimiev. Um, Comes at uh, Chimiev. Yes, he was told by um, his uh, – he, he's having a real hard time with, with COVID. Uh, imagine that. And um, he – seemed like he was retiring and then he was swiftly told by like i said his ufc dictator dana white that no you will not be retiring and then he was told by his actual <laughs> uh warlord in, in chechia that no you will not be retiring so anyhow um let's move on to leon edwards uh last um late replacement last minute replacement whatever you want to call it short notice uh Bilal, remember thy name muhammad um so let's break him down first uh, mr muhammad whose name we will never forget is uh 18 and 3 with four knockouts one submission he's 9 and 3 in the ufc uh two and oh in bellator before that he's won four straight fights he will be taking this on short notice because he just fought a few weeks ago um, he is at plus 200 going into this one. Uh, Leon Edwards uh, is on the shelf forever, jockeying for a title fight, and he's not getting one. Um, he's 18, <laughs> 18 and three, uh, with six knockouts and three submissions. So you may want to. This may be one you want to bet going to the decision. So another guy finishes a heck of a lot of fights. Um, plus Edwards has never been finished in his three losses. He is 10 and two in the UFC. He's won eight straight fights, but he's not actually fought since July of 2019. Um, a lot of fights falling through and a lot of him posturing for, for better opponents. Uh, he's three inches taller, two inches of reach, three years younger, minus 263. Uh, I'll take the chalk in this one, even though I do uh, like remember the name. Yeah, and I remembered the name this time, but uh, yes. I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm going with Leon Edwards. I, I Look, I really want Bilal Muhammad to do well because I, I have been sick of the Leon Edwards story about him deserving a title shot when his last win was – uh, damn near three years or two years ago at this point and against Rafael Dos Anjos. But the bottom line is, is like, as long as this is the Leon Edwards we saw then, 
in the Leon Edwards we saw during that massive win streak, he's just a better version of Bilal Muhammad, right? Like he's a he's a like a slightly better distance boxer. Uh, he he gives you just like a little bit more in terms of defensive boxing, right? Like he he's harder to hit. And in addition to that, like I actually think he's just like a little bit better of a wrestler, look, right? Like and he likes to mix it up just a little bit more than Bilal Muhammad does. So. Yeah, I, I, like, just think that there are so many little tiny pieces that just make him a little bit... I mean, like, look, the guy took Rafael Dos Anjos down three times. The guy took Gunnar Nelson down. The guy took Vicente Luque down. The guy took, you know, Albert Tumanov down, who's, you know, like, while he's not still in the UFC, is is one of the top uh, welterweights as well. You know, took Bam Bam Barberena down three times. So, like, he's really good at his wrestling when he does mix it in. And I think it's just, like I said, just a little bit better than Bilal Muhammad everywhere. And I think as long as he is still that person, we can be comfortable picking him. Granted, it has been two years since we've seen him. There has been all kinds of questions about what his training looks like and all that kind of stuff. So I'm definitely not putting him anywhere near our lock. But with no. that being said, I do like him to pick here. Yeah, so probably two, minus 263 is not a number we're going to jump at uh, for this fight, uh, correct? Yeah, I'm, I'm not I'm not jumping for joy on that one at all. Okay. Um, we hinted at a few props and parlays. Do you want to make some official ones now? Yeah, I would say, uh, again, I, I kind of mentioned before uh, that I like Ben Rothwell by decision, and I think, you know, you can probably make those lines fairly juicy. Uh, being that it's pretty close to an even fight as is. So if you, you know, you put him in there by decision in a heavyweight fight, you're probably going to get a nice line on that. Um, and also, uh, I said before, Hani Aya by, by right. submission. I, I think, you know, Ray Rodriguez with his submission losses on his record, with his questionable takedown defense, um, with the fact that he likes to shoot himself and Hani Aya scrambles and counters takedowns really well. Uh, you know, I, I think everything leads to a Hani Aya submission there. So, yeah, I think those two are the two that I like the best as far as props go. You know, you mentioned the main event going the distance. I think that's right. smart too, but I think that's probably not going to come in too juicy unless you pick somebody too. Um, right. You know, like the over-under is probably going to be four and a half. So, yeah, I, I like the over in that too, but uh, ultimately you're probably not getting too good of a return there. No. Um, all right, so now it's my turn to pick a lock. Um, I would say... Angela Hill, but I don't want to lock in a minus 360. That's pretty um, pretty yeah, safe. So let's go the with... number was bef- before was way better. I probably yeah. would have locked her in if we were still down at 250. But, yeah, I don't like yeah. 300. I will take Matthew Smellsberger. <laughs> Samuelsberger. Uh, I'll, I'll take him uh, as my lock at minus 150 over, over Jason Witt. I like that play. Um, he was actually I had two circled, so I guess I'm gonna could have go to my backup here instead of the the starter. He was probably my one A pick. My one B pick here will be Misha Serkinov, negative one forty five ish uh, against Ryan Span. I, I just think, like I said before, Span's takedown defense worries me. If he can keep this at distance, is there a chance? Yeah, but is there a chance he keeps it at distance with a you know a, an absolute bowling ball like Misha Serkinov? I don't think so. So I'm going to take my lock as Misha Serkinov. All right. There you go. Um, that, that is far enough free entertainment for you guys uh, for one week. We've uh, gone well over an hour. So there you go. You're, you're welcome. Um, in the meantime, make sure you read all our writings over at sportsgamblingpodcast.com. Dan, uh, Dan is a writer there as well now. Um, I'll have my UFC 
UFC column up uh, later on this week. Uh, make sure you also read both of our stuff over at MMA-Manifesto.com and enter the Pick'em contest, which I run on there. Um, little news flash there. Uh, Sports Gummy Podcast is come aboard as one of our new sponsors, so they will be giving away a $50 gift card to whatever retailer you would like it at uh, to the winner of our pick'em contest. So make sure you enter that, uh, enter that this coming week and every week going forward. Um, follow us on Twitter. Jeff Fox writer would be mine and Dan would be Gumby Vreeland. Um, and until that time, actually the, let me uh, leave you with some, some wise words from the, um, legendary Lemmy of motorhead. Um, when, when he said that, um, I was born to lose. Gambling's for fools, but that's the way I like it, baby. I ain't going to live forever. We'll see you next week, guys.